Hi, everyone. Welcome to the BizDev Podcast, the podcast about developing your business. I'm David Baxter, your host, and I am joined by hat manufacturer Gary Voigt. How's it going, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I've been wearing a lot of hats lately, and both figuratively and in the podcast. But yeah, oh, I guess well I'm, done. Yeah. I'm in between finding someone who can cut my hair the right way. I'm such a diva. Hey, hey, I, at least you have hair, man. Shut up. Shut your dirty mouth. All right. We are joined today by Deeraj Pichara, who is the CEO of DataQ. And we're going to talk to him about his business in just a little bit. Um, but I want to start us today. And Deeraj, join us wherever you feel comfortable. Um, where we're going to talk about the economy. Because I think it's a huge, it's a little departure from what we normally talk about. Because when we talk about tech and that kind of thing. But I think right now, every business owner is is thinking about the economy. One, I don't think you can get away with it if you read any news. And what's so interesting to me is the vast chasm between people and their view of this economy. What I mean by that is like my business group, almost all of them think that we're about to fall down a cliff and it's going to be horrible and that we're, we've been in a recession for six months. And none of the data actually says that, but that's how they feel. Yeah, it seems to be... It's a lot of it's just a perceived interpretation instead of actual facts. Because when you see giant tech companies laying off swaths of people, and even if they're not labeled as a tech company, like companies that are, you know, more into the finance field, or, you know, if you bundle the the whole, I guess you could say, you know, Bitcoin or cyber, cryptocurrency. No, that doesn't count. Blah. No, but emotionally, <laughs> when people hear that, that's all tanking. They think investments are down. They think the market's down. And they think tech companies are laying people off. And it starts to tumble into this whole pile of them thinking the whole economy is crashing when that's not the case. Uh, my take on, yeah, so my take on that is as an entrepreneur, we have so many more opportunities and the opportunities are only getting bigger. So at least from my side, the it's all positive. So you're optimistic, regardless of what you're hearing on the news, you're optimistic. I'm Absolutely. with you. It's funny. I feel that way as well, but I think that is a, 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 the cause of that is that we as a company have decided that we're going to make a big push into new clients. We are making a big push into reaching out and finding new clients. Part of that is because I want to be prepared if any of our existing clients need to pull back because their economy, for whatever reason, does go badly, that they say, hey, you know what, we're, we're going to pull back a little bit. We're going to cut our budget, you know, and we need to cut you back a little bit for the next six, eight months, whatever. I wanted to be prepared for that. So I said to my team, hey, we're going to make up for that by being very aggressive in our sales and marketing more than we normally are to to counteract that. And as part of that, we've been doing that and we've been going forward and that's been getting some steam, right? And so that makes me optimistic, right? That makes me excited about what's coming because I see new clients kind of coming along and that's that's as the founder, that's super exciting, right? So it's kind of weird though cuz my guys, my my business guys and the and the the news, I I always hate the news because I think a lot of it becomes um self-fulfilling prophecy prophecies, right? Yeah. If you think the economy is going, if enough people, especially consumers, think the economy is going to be bad, it will be because they'll stop buying stuff. And that just makes everything tank. Well, whether it's the news or just media in general, um, if the overall business goal 
for those companies are just to get eyeballs onto content, then they have to frame that content in a way that's going to attract eyeballs and usually a more negative connotation and the more emergency feeling, the more, you know, oh, what's going to happen? I better find out. Intrigue seems to be more effective than the, hey, you know what? Everything's looking good and here's why. So like you were saying, a lot of it is interpreted. It could be. Or if we get rid of all 24-hour news cycles and social media, I think we'll be in a much better spot. Oh, yeah. Let's just go back to like, the 19th. I totally agree. <laughs> totally there we agree, go. Yeah. We should start a petition. Um, let's shut down Meta and let's shut down. I think, I think the world will be better. My kids will certainly be better. Yeah, most experts. And we linked to a, an article in Axios that kind of relates to the economy and the tech business. And a lot of e- economic experts are saying, well, the tech business – area that you know the industry itself and the big giants whether it be meta amazon salesforce stripe or whatever they had some hiring practices and some paying practices that were just way too big for reality and so now they're cutting back and scaling back because the investors are not seeing the return that they wanted so the easiest way to give the investors what they want and make it seem like you're moving forward in their best interest is to cut back in spending so that's why they're laying people off well, I think it's disingenuous of the news media, and I'm going to pick on Meta here for a second, but they're not the only ones who've done this. In 2020 and 2021, I think I read a thing that they hired 40,000 people, which is mind-blowing. Like, how do you hire that many people? But they, were, they lay off, off 10,000, and people think the world's exploding. They're still net up 30,000 people. I mean, <laughs> not that's only not... That. The ten thousand are highly qualified, you know, engineers and and, and people. Yeah, they'll find a job. They're going to find minutes. a job in it at another yeah. company yeah. in a second. But I think for a small business, I think if you are looking at this and you're hearing the news and you're scared, I think it's really important to just take a stock of your own. Let's keep it as micro as possible. I think that would be the advice: is how is your economy? I mean, yes, there is inflation. True, there's no question about that. But the good news on that front is it apparently has capped. We've, or peaked, that's the better it word. It is starting right. to it show a downward It is slowly yes. coming down. So maybe that's going to be an improvement. So if you have cost of goods sold and you're buying inventory and stuff like that, that, of course, is painful. Um, you need to pay your people more because inflation's bad, right? That's painful. But other than that, I would say very, focus very closely on your own economy and see how it is. Don't less, necessarily listen to the doomsdayers that are out there and, and focus on your own. And I think that that's the way forward. Figure out what you can do to make your economy work, even if the rest of the local economy is... I heard a new word today. I was listening to a podcast. And this is, I don't want to go off into a, a tangent here, but they came up with... The, the people at Davos met, and they came out with... That's the super rich people who determine like how the world economy is doing. They came up with a new word called polycrisis. That there we are in the midst of a poly crisis, and it's like Ukraine and, and inflation and this that and the other. And I was like, "Ooh, they made a new word, fun." Anyway, so I want to talk about something more important, and that's Duraj. I want to hear about you, Data Q. I want to hear about what you're up to, uh, and how you got there. And so, tell me a little bit about you, your company, and uh, your history. So, <clears throat> uh, fundamentally, I'm an engineer, and uh, we love solving problems. Get removing inefficiencies, right? So I was working as a solutions architect for in the data as data engineer slash solutions architect, and as part of that, we go to 
various companies for consulting. And one problem we, or I saw repeatedly in every organization was the manual data testing. It takes a lot of time and it causes problems in the data. And once you have bad data, it's very hard to fix. Uh, it's, it's like there. So the best thing is to fix it as early as possible with the right set of tools. Uh, it's a little bit of more effort, but it pays much more in the long run. So the manual part of it is what was really bothering me. I saw that in every organization and uh, I knew something has to be done about it. I quit my job and started DataQ. That's the beginning of DataQ. And the journey since it's been five years. Five years. Uh, it, okay. Yeah. It's been five years and the journey has been tough, but now it's, we passed through difficult times. Tell me about your first year. That's always the one that is, that's going, that's the one that's going to put hair on your chest. That's what I joke about. You know, it's, it's scary because you don't, everybody comes in like very similar to me is I thought I was really good at development. So I'm going to start a company because I can do this better than others. You're saying, Hey, I got a problem to solve. I'm going to fix it. And everybody's going to flock to me. How was that reality for you? <laughs> yeah. So probably if every founder who has, uh, who is building a product, they can answer that. But anyway, uh, yeah, it, the first year was you have, you jump in with a lot of passion. You see a problem, you know you can build it, you nail it, you're an awesome software engineer. Okay, I mm -hmm. build it and then I, it's done. But then uh, within probably one year, the reality kicks in and you make the software, the software is ready, but nothing else happens. No one cares because right? no one knows yet. <laughs> yep. No one cares, no one knows it. So it took me a lot of learning that the building tech is easier part. It is the research that you do and all that is the right, that is the harder part. So yeah, the first year with full of passion and energy, we jump in. But uh, uh, if I if I have to go back and redo all my learnings, uh, I wouldn't even start my tech before I do enough research, ensure that the use case is solid and repeatable across, which is but just that you need to get that confidence, uh, not just to show somebody, but for your own sake. Otherwise, to have that passion for so many day after day, year after year is not easy. Man, I tell you what, I, it's like you've listened to our podcast 8,000 times. That is, I couldn't have said it by to myself. That is what I encourage so often is people don't want to dive in. They, you know, we build startups. That's what we do. And, or at least that's a big part of what we do. And so many people dive in before they even really want to know how, who their customer truly is. Yeah. I mean, they know there's a lot of people, startups fail because they're creating a solution for a problem that isn't real or that people don't realize they have. And so they spend all this time, money, effort, passion, like you're saying, and then they get out there and it's crickets, right? Yeah. And if, 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 if you had just spent more time in the, initial phases, the diving in, but it's boring, right? You don't yeah. feel like you're moving. You, that first year, you're like, I want to do, I want to do, what am I, I'm wasting time. Let's go, let's right. go, let's go. When, and researching and, and Googling and learning and interviewing potential clients, that's all boring. And you right. don't want to do that. And you have to find the balance too, between your perception and then the real proof of concept. And 
no matter how much you think people are going to need this, if the market says, no, we don't really need it that much, then you got to either pivot or, or change something up. Maybe just find a, a different problem or add-on problem that you can you know, tailor your solution to. But Yeah, so, so you went, okay, so let me jump into your story again. So you created the tech. Did you write your own tech? Is that, are you, yeah. did, so you built your own tech, which is, that's a huge leg up. Very cool. So you built your own tech, you get that out in the market and it's crickets. So what did you do to solve that? How did you get those first few customers? That's always the tricky part. That's what everybody's missing. So what'd you do? So it took me time, uh, a lot of learnings. And then initially it was all, uh, of course there was no marketing. So initially I reached out to people. Uh, again, my personal nature, I wouldn't do that, but I learned that that's the only way. So I call people, I call friends, family, everyone I knew. And we got the first customer. Before you got the first customer, your thinking is, okay, you get the first customer, that's it. You, you can, everything happens. I've solved it. <laughs> solved it. Then the first customer comes, okay, then what? Nothing else. Needle is not moving. Uh, yeah, so uh, slowly took time, six months, six months. But what we have learned is uh, when you have the customer, put all your energy and make sure that the, the customer is really evolved by you. And that goes a long way. Because then uh, referrals and word of mouth <clears throat> from that customer yeah. moves right. the needle. Right. That's the most effective way. So did you fall into the trap? So I fell into this trap as a, I, I, well, let me ask a question beforehand. Were you a single man shop for a long time, little time? Uh, for quite a long time. I do have people help me, sure. but not as a team. Yeah, for a long time, I was single man. Okay. Uh, again, you cannot so, do anything with single <clears throat> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, that, no, you're exactly right. And that, that's, so that's where I was leading up to. So you're a single individual building a company, which is super common, right? Did you fall into the trap like I did that, okay, you get your first few customers, right? You're going, you're going, you're going. And now you're busy doing what the customer wants, right? You're tweaking the systems. They find bugs, whatever. You're doing your thing. And then you forget to go find more customers. And then your first few customers get finished and you realize you haven't been marketing. And so you now have this canyon of death in front of you. Yeah. yeah. Did you fall into that? Because, boy, I did. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, totally true. And... uh you are so focused on doing everything for this customer that your mm -hmm. pipeline is empty. You are not even focused there. You try to hire people, you do the best. And uh, what next after the customer is, okay, is there, what next? You're, mm -hmm. you're, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Is your model recurring? So when you get a customer, do they stay on their paying you a monthly fee or is yeah. it project-based? Yeah, it's yearly revenue. Nice. Okay, so that's a that's an advantage that you have compared to what we were going through. Is ours is very feast or famine. It's like big project, nothing. Big project, nothing. You right. get to build as long as you're keeping them happy. You keep adding more. Right. They just keep staying. That that's a beautiful thing, and that's what everyone asks. When do I make my own product so that we can have a recurring revenue? <laughs> everyone asks me that. And we're, the answer is we don't. But um, but that. So now you've got these. As long as you keep them happening, you now can build this and build this. And now your software is a service, basically, right? Right, right. Perfect. So, okay, so let's fast forward a little bit further. So now you've got some customers, you've got some revenue. 
when did you feel the need to hire, or, or maybe you haven't, how, hire people, bring people on? Do you, is it still a single-man shop, or do you have no, no, full-time we have, employees? We have a good team now. We have we are a team of nine people, nine engineers. So Nice. Okay. Yeah. So are they all engineers working on the product, or do you have marketing people and managers and admins, whatever? Uh, eight of them are engineers. One is marketing. Nice. Okay. <laughs> very cool. Yeah. So very product-focused. Yeah. And you get all of your customers now word of mouth? Do you do marketing like you're doing Google ads and all of that? Or how, do you, how are you finding people now? Very little. Referrals is, has worked the best for us and that's what we are focusing on. Our referrals from customers referring to other customers. Uh, marketing, we just started. Uh, I'm learning some of it as sure. we go. Very, very cool. Just the data processing and validating, it might sound kind of mundane, and I don't know like the best way to market that or whatever. So I'm just curious. Um, other than my assumptions, can you kind of give us from beginning to end like what happens in the process of you acquiring the data, proofing, validating the data, and then what is the benefit? Like what is the company using that data for? Are there different arenas? Is it all types of data? Is there any... Uh, do you have your foot in any of the ESG data for some of these companies that are coming in? So just a little bit more about the actual product process. Right, right, absolutely. So, yeah. So if you take in any organization, right, the, they get data from multiple sources, from third-party companies, from within the data that is generated. And this is what we call as raw data, the first layer. layer. And then this mm -hmm. data needs to be processed. Uh, again, I'm oversimplifying it. But the second layer is where you process this data. And the finally, the third layer is where you get insights or dashboards for the executives to look at the process data, the results, final results. Okay, my okay. sales revenue is so and so on. Right? This is the typical life cycle of the data. Now, what we help is from this end to end testing of the data to ensure that the data is accurate at the first level, second level, and third level. So this 360 degree view of data metrics for an organization from beginning to end, that's, that's what we provide. And I'm assuming having correct and validated data saves the companies, your clients, time and money and gives them a more accurate you know, view of, of where their sales. Is it mainly sales data that you guys are processing? Or? Uh, yeah, sorry, I missed that question earlier. No, so we are absolutely data agnostic. The 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 fundamental metric the fundamental uh, I'm missing the word the principles of uh, data quality metrics calculations and uh, data testing remain the same whether you whichever no what the you subject go. matter is okay. absolutely absolutely it remains the same so on top of that we do add some specific industry specific uh, features for health especially for healthcare data. So the onboarding is super easy, uh, but the core engine remains the same. Okay. Because I'm sure when you and David were talking about the the business itself and data processing, they're probably, including myself, probably some people listening going, what exactly are they processing? Not sure. So that cleared that up. Right. So who is your typical client? Are they huge companies? They Where do they fit? Uh, mid to large organizations are our ideal customer profiles. And now at this point, being a small company, we target uh, mid-sized companies. 
large enterprises have much longer sales cycle. Now, one thing I want to add uh, from my side, right? So basically earlier, uh, one problem we had, uh, or at least I had was, as a small company, when you are building a product, you get so many opportunities from all directions, right? And they want these tweaks, these tweaks, okay. We, so whether you go in that direction or you stay focused on your path, that's a million dollar question probably for every entrepreneur. I want to be cognizant of time. So I want to ask my question that I ask everybody, or Gary sometimes asks it. If you were you five years ago, or another person starting up, not necessarily in your industry, it's just starting a business. What would be your top three pieces of advice you would give them? Yeah, if I have to go back and do this all over, right? Number one is do enough research about the problem. Go take a step back of the, from the thing, from the use case perspective and ensure, again, the use case is problem is enough in the market have so narrow vision of that use case and do it so well. Just that one. And when you do it so well for that one use case, you will, the customers will love it. Then you go to the next step. The second biggest thing is the team and the culture. I mean, one person cannot do anything. You need the right team. Probably it's more important than the spouse. Uh, or in fact, you will be spending more time with your teammates than spouse. Let me dive into that. How do you, one, hire the right people? And two, how do you build that culture? In your, in your world, how have you successfully done that? The end vision. So what we do is the end vision that we are saving time in or uh, removing inefficiencies in the process. That keeps us going every day. When we wake up, we know that we are going to save this much of time for these people directly. What they are doing in five days, now they can do in one day. That, that gives us motivation. And that, so, that gives us motivation for the whole team. So your culture, and I'm, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm thinking out loud here, but your culture, because you're almost all engineers, you are all driven by the passion to create more efficiency. That is so interesting. Like, I don't think if you weren't all engineers that that would be enough to get everybody up in the morning. That's but because true. of your unique build, everyone's like, this, I'm a problem solver. I want to solve this. I want to make it better for them. That is my motivation. That's my right. culture. Right. So interesting. Very cool. Very cool. Right. So I interrupted you. What's your third, your third piece of advice? The Finally, the passion itself. So you have to find it... Uh, you have to have it. So when you jump into some doing something, you will have your jumping in with full of passion. That's fine. But you have to remember that it goes long time. I mean, year, months, years and long. How do you keep it? Unless you have that, uh, you believe it so much, it's not easy to keep going. David refers to that time as the slog. The time where passion will get you there, but you have to put your head down and do the hard work to keep going past what was fun at first to turn it yeah. into something. Yeah. You've touched on a lot of topics that we cover on our podcast all the time, like the starting of the business, the culture of the business, the team, and yeah, the slog. Yeah, this fit perfectly. 
so, but it, around that slog, so it's like what, what, where that comes from is a lot of people come to us and they're like, hey, I want to build X idea. And I, what I want to do is sell it, right? I want to build it. And in five years, I want to sell it. And I always say, that's a yellow flag to me because that, that desire to sell it in that big payday is generally, not always, but most people, that's not enough to get right. up every morning for five years and slog it out, right? Because right? <laughs> right. that paycheck may never come. And when you're looking at it and go, this is really hard. I don't want to get up today and do it again. That money, that, that ghost carrot is what I like to call that, that's floating out there in front of you. Might not ever come. You've got to have something else driving you. And for you, you're so big on efficiency and it really truly doing your mission that right. that's what's getting you up every day. Right. Very right. cool. Absolutely. Very cool. So that's the third point. You need to find something that you can keep going forever. I love it. I love it. So if someone wanted to get in touch with you, learn about DataQ, all of that good stuff, how would they do that? Uh, uh, our website. Uh, is https colon data q q as letter q dot io and hello at data q dot o me and my team will reach out back immediately awesome and we awesome. will have those links in the show notes and um posted underneath the video and stuff like that so people be able to access that so if gary if they want to get in touch with us and if anybody wants to get in touch with us i knew oh, that was coming you did there. <laughs> yeah you, you did there. uh you can send us any questions or comments through our email at hello at the big net, or you can make any comments or suggestions underneath this video or reach out to us on any of our social platforms. Well, very cool. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed having you on. Clearly you're obviously a big fan of our podcast and that's always good to have big fans. Come on. I'm just kidding. Uh, but you, you, you're, you're saying the same things. I love that. And I think yeah. that, that's a first, right? I mean, it's interesting. Your not that story, everybody's against it, but your story is, I'm not going to say it's typical, but I'm saying you definitely talked about all the same topics that come up when we talk to founders and startups and you know, they're the same issues and how people deal with them might be slightly different. But again, it's just, it's good to hear everybody kind of goes through the same trials and tribulations in order to get to where they are. So thank you for sharing yeah, your story with us. For a, one advice from any new entrepreneurs is before jumping in, if you do a lot of research, that saves you a lot of time. At least in my case, it would have saved me at least a year or more. Instead of playing catch but, up, figuring out what to do with the thing you yeah. just built now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's. You cannot overstate the importance of knowing what you're building before you start spinning the plates, right? Because yeah. once you start spinning the plates and you're juggling and, and all of the stuff is going on at the same time, you don't have that luxury anymore to just concentrate on the core essence of the idea. Everyone wants to start spinning, putting those right. plates up, but man, you really just can't, you can't overstate that. So it's a great right. reminder. Well, thank you again for joining us. We, uh, we appreciate it very much. Um, and for everyone else who's listening, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this episode. We will be back next week. Thanks so much. Take care, guys.